Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, hey, Justin, I am so excited to be doing the show with you today. Yeah, um, so how's everything going? Can you believe that we're already over halfway through February? I know, I know. It's flying by almost into March. I'm still writing 2023 on things that I assign. <laughs> I can't believe we're, we're almost to uh, the end of the first quarter. I know. It's, it's crazy. It has just been flying by. And I've definitely been getting the dates wrong as well. <laughs> so you're not alone there. Um, also, I heard you have some exciting news you might want to share with news? everyone. News? Yeah. There's news. Uh, yeah. So news around the office uh, and around my household, we are expecting, my wife and I. That's so exciting. Um, yeah. Our first, our first baby. Um, so yeah, everything that goes along with that, mom is doing, doing well. Um, our golden retriever, Snook, was a uh, little surprised by the news. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, that he's going to be a big brother. Um, so, no, we are super excited. Um, was excited to, to tell the office. And, um, yeah, we've just felt felt overwhelmed with love from, from all you guys. And, um, yeah, we're, we're super, super pumped for that. That's awesome. Um, we're definitely very excited for you. Um, any idea on what you kind of want the gender to be or yeah yeah so i'm believe it or not i'm rooting for a girl uh, really I, yeah i have I've, I've you know when we found out we were pregnant i just i had this feeling um that we were gonna have a baby girl um this is our first so mm. um and i think danielle is leaning more towards a boy uh, really i think she's just gonna be happy uh Either way. the baby is you know healthy, healthy and, yeah yep, that's right so. oh that is so awesome yep. very cool um well by the way i'm abby gibson i'm a registered financial advisor here with richard young associates yeah and i'm justin Folsom. i'm also a financial advisor i'm here at the firm well we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly podcast you can hear us every Friday and can find our episodes on our website through moneymd.net or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also submit any of your questions on our website as well. So today we have some really great topics lined up for you guys. Right. Um, so with the first, it's going to be empowering, not entitling five ways to set up your children for financial success. A great one for you, Justin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it seems like a, <laughs> a pretty pertinent uh, topic yeah. at this point. Yeah, and then the uh, second topic is going to be from Ramsey. Um, that's going to be the six best money hacks uh, for 2024. That's so. going to be a good one. Yeah. A very good one. I think I'm going to have to keep, you know, refreshing myself on those too. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, well, sweet. Well, let's kick off this episode with our financial fact of the week. Mm -hmm. So according to the Investment Company Institute, Gen Z households, um, which is going to be the youngest adults currently, have nearly three times more assets in their defined contribution plan accounts adjusted for inflation than Gen X households did at the same age in 1989. Wow. So more than half of those DC or defined contribution account owners um, are younger than 35 said that they probably wouldn't have saved for retirement if not for their workplace 
plan. Mm. So Sarah Holden, ICI Senior Director of Retirement Investor Research said, thanks to the prevalence of 401ks and other DC retirement plans in the workplace, as well as the growing adoption of automatic enrollment and um, automatic investing through these plans, the long-term financial outlook for Gen Z is very promising. Yeah. So I found that extremely interesting. Um, so Gen X, um, unfortunately, didn't get those um, automatic enrollments yeah, and right. automatic investing in place. Mm. Um, so I'm really excited for Gen Z to be able to grow up and have that set up for them in the future. Um, I don't yeah. know, it's very interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, no doubt. I, I remember my first job um, and, and being automatically enrolled in the 401k plan. And at that point, at you know 23, I'm thinking like, what? What is this? Right. Uh, <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. But, you know, it turns out it, you know, started me in my retirement investing. So that's great. Yeah, good, uh, good financial fact. Yeah. Um, so, well, let's get right on into it with our first I- article um, entitled, entitled Empower, Not Entitled. <laughs> that's right. Um, five ways to set up your children for financial success. So as parents, you know, we're all wanting the best for our children, including setting them up for financial success. Um, However, it's essential to strike a balance between providing support and fostering that independence they need. So here are five strategies to empower your children to be financially literate, responsible, and self-sufficient. So the first um, way to set up your children is to start early with saving and budgeting. Mm. So from the moment your child's born, Lay that groundwork for financial responsibility. Consider opening a 529 savings plan, which is a tax-advantaged account designed for education expenses. Um, Even modest contributions like 150 bucks a month can accumulate significantly over time. So by starting this process early, you're going to harness the power of compound interest to grow their savings exponentially. Also, introducing the concept of budgeting early on. Um, So this is something my parents did as well, but utilizing three jars labeled give, save, and spend to teach them the value of allocating their money wisely. For example, whenever they receive money, whether it's an allowance, earnings, or gifts, encourage them to divide it into these categories, 10% for charitable giving, 20% for long-term savings, and the remainder for discretionary spending. This hands-on approach is not only going to teach them financial literacy, but it's also going to instill important values like generosity and prudence. Um, so like I said, this is something my parents did for me when we, when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really good to give them that mindset as early as possible that you know money's not just for spending, it's for saving for those future goals. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot about budgeting today, but that's a really good um, a really good way to uh, empower, not entitle. That's right. <laughs> um, so the second one here is to foster investing and earning opportunities. So within and you know with your children, encouraging them to think long term by introducing them to investing, you know, maybe at an earlier age than you were. Mm. Uh, so considering setting up a Roth IRA, for them and involving them in that process at a younger age is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, putting them on payroll, uh, if you have an LLC, can provide them with earned income and make them eligible for these IRA contributions, um, or rather tell them that you will match any of their earnings and make a contribution into their raw. So anything that they earn, uh, you'll match along the way. Uh, so by doing this, you not only kickstart their investment journey, but you also instill the habit of saving for the future. 
So instilling the importance of earning money through part-time jobs or entrepreneurial uh, things that they may be interested in, whether um, it could even be things like babysitting, dog walking. Uh, I know I mowed a few lawns in my day. <laughs> um, encourage them to pursue opportunities to earn income independently um, and without your help. So not only does this teach valuable work ethic and financial responsibility, um, but it also provides them with practical experience in managing you know, mm. their own wallet. Yeah, I um, definitely was an entrepreneurial girl myself. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think, you know, having my dad as an example really helped me with that. Um, so, you know, as soon as I got my license, I was working at a frozen yogurt shop. Um, and my parents did tell me, hey, we're going to match anything you earn and we'll put that into a Roth IRA for mm, you. That's good. Um, and, you know, if that's something you're able to do, maybe it's not going to be a 100% match. Maybe it's just going to be 25 or 50% match. Um, but that's a really good way to have them excited about investing for their future and just really setting them up for success um, as well. Um, and also, you know, everyone's going to have chores around the house, but maybe outside of those chores, say, hey, you want to watch my car? I'll give you 20 bucks. You know, those are also really good ways to give them that work ethic and have them earning money at a young age. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, the third, um, the third way is to teach financial independence through ownership. So as your children mature, gradually transfer those financial responsibilities over to them. So help them open a bank account, manage budgets, and understand the significance of financial decisions. When it comes to major purchases like cars, encourage them to contribute financially, um, maybe matching their savings to instill a sense of ownership and accountability. For instance, when they reach the age of 12, consider opening checking and savings accounts for them. Um, maybe check with your local bank to see how early they can get set up on that. Teach them how to reconcile their accounts, track their expenses, and set financial goals. Um, by involving them in the process of managing their money, you can empower them to make uh, take ownership of their financial future. Mm. Um, so something that I did was, you know, I really wanted to play the drums when I was in middle school. Mm. Um, and my parents said, great, we're not paying for that. <laughs> so um, have fun saving for that. And if you save for it, you know, maybe we'll give you some lessons. We'll pay for some lessons. That's awesome. Um, so that was the first big thing I saved for growing up. Um, so setting those goals, um, you know, if they have something they want, don't just give it to them. Give them um, the true appreciation of earning it themselves. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and the fourth one here is encourage financial education um, and decision making. So this goes a little bit along uh, with the third example, but equipping your kids with the knowledge and skills they need to navigate the complexities of personal finance is a tool that is really invaluable um, to them at a young age. So introduce them to tools like budgeting software, uh, involve them in discussions about financial planning. Uh, a big one that we talk about with clients is, is college and the cost mm -hmm. of college um, and investment strategies with that. So by empowering them to make informed decisions, you're fostering independence, confidence uh, around the financial realm. So an example of that would be approaching your teenager uh, and involving them in discussions about college planning. Uh, explore different options for funding their education. Uh, talk to them about scholarships and grants um, and uh, student loans, savings accounts. We, we talk a lot about student loans with, with our clients and it's something that they need to be made aware of. Mm -hmm. um, so 
encouraging them to research uh, potential colleges on their own as well as helping them, uh, comparing the cost of those, and consider the long-term career uh, career goals uh, of your of your child. Uh, this not only teaches them about the financial implications of higher education or college, but also empowers them to take an active role in shaping their own future. Uh, do they need to go to college uh, mm -hmm. is the big question. So additionally, provide them with the opportunity to practice financial decision making in real life scenarios. So whether it's planning a family vacation, purchasing a, you know, a big ticket item like your drum set, <laughs> or, or managing a budget for any extracurricular activities that they may want to be involved in, uh, involve them in the process of talking about the financial uh, you know, backing of that activity. Encourage them to weigh the costs and the benefits of each of those options. So by giving them hands-on experience early on in managing the money, you're going to prepare them to navigate you know, all of the financial challenges that they may incur in their you know, life and young mm -hmm. adulthood especially. Definitely. Um, I definitely think like talking about colleges and the implication of your degrees. I think giving kids a good picture of, you know, what you can be making and what the real life costs. You know, I think that's something a lot of kids are missing mm -hmm. and then they get out of college and they're they're shell-shocked about, you know, how expensive life is, that's you know. Right. Um, so I think don't, sh uh, you know, shield them from that. I think get them involved in that planning um, so that they can feel really good about their decisions. Yeah. Um, so the fifth and final way is to lead by example and foster life skills. So perhaps the most influential way to set up your children for financial success is by modeling responsible financial behavior yourself, right? You're their biggest role model. So be transparent about your financial decisions, involve them in household budgeting, and emphasize the value of experiences over material possessions, Additionally, prioritize their holistic development by fostering interests in activities like reading, nature, and non-technology pursuits, which is also going to contribute to long-term mental and physical well-being, right? Because it's not all about money. You know, sure. you're creating a human that's going to have feelings, yeah. and they're going to need to have some um, experiences outside of that. So, for example, instead of focusing solely on the material possessions, prioritize experiences that promote personal growth and development. So when you're modeling this lifestyle for your kids, you're going to instill important values like gratitude, resilience, and resourcefulness in your children. Yeah. Yeah. So just to conclude the article, something we want to make very clear is, you know, setting your children up for financial success uh, is a journey that's going to require a combination of education, uh, opportunity, and most of all, uh, empowerment from you, the parent. So mm -hmm. uh, by starting early, fostering independence and leading by example, um, you can instill valuable financial habits that are going to, they're just going to serve them well, you know, mm -hmm. long term in their lives. So remember, the goal is not to provide for their financial needs, not only rather to provide for their financial needs, but uh, to empower them mm -hmm. to navigate on their own because this world is complex and there uh, are going to be, you know, hard times. And, mm -hmm. and if they are made aware early of, uh, you know, financial decisions that can impact the rest of their lives, they will be better equipped, um, you know, to, to make it through those. So, Definitely. yeah, really good article. So the next um, thing we want to cover is our question of the week, mm. which is, can I roll over my 401k at age 59 and a half? Hmm, that's a good question. Do you know the answer to that? 
Um, I don't know. What is it, Justin? (laughs) Uh, Well, the answer is uh, it depends, unfortunately. Um, So most of the time, a service distribution um, is allowed by the company to be rolled over into an IRA at 59 and a half. You know, that's what we hear and do with a lot of clients. So, uh, but in some cases, and actually this happened this week Mm. uh, with a client, we called the 401k um, custodian and they told us over the phone that the company did not allow or permit a rollover at 59 and a half, but rather uh, the employee would have to wait until full retirement. Mm. So uh, unfortunately, the answer is that it depends. It's not the custodian that that holds the funds that that makes that right. decision. It's the company that right. that the employee works for. Um, so unfortunately, there's not a, not a direct answer to that. In most cases, I would say it's it's much more rare that the rollover is not allowed. Um, because we do see so many rollovers mm-hmm. at 59 and a half. But you may think if that's something that you want to do or are interested in to reach out to your plan admin and just see what the the rules are for, for your company in particular. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is something that we can help you with as advisors as well. So if you just have no idea where to get started on that, just let us know. Yeah, we're happy right. to help. Um, all right. Well, so we got through our first article. So our second article for the day um, comes from Ramsey and it's titled The Six Best Money Hacks of 2024. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm really excited about this article because it really it, it will per, it pertains to all levels of, of wherever you're at in your financial journey, whether you're early on and you're a college student um, or you're gearing up for retirement, all of these principles um, can really be used in, in everyone's day to day. So, um, if getting better with money is on your to do list, then first of all, you know, Abby and I, everyone at the firm, we want right. to applaud you because it's something that not everyone uh, is doing. So, uh, take this change as a spread to all of the areas in your life if you are on a on a money saving uh, journey. So, if you get your money act together now some would say, uh, and you'll start feeling less stress and more confidence all over the place, right? And it's not even wishful thinking to want to save more money. It's something that you can do. Um, so these are the six hacks. Uh, and again, this is from Ramsey on ways, uh, money hacks basically for, for the year that you can uh, involve in your day to day. So I'll get us started here with number one. Um, it's making a monthly budget. I told you we'd be talking about budgets a little bit throughout throughout mm-hmm. this episode. So a budget is a simple plan for your money. So everything coming in and everything going out. Uh, we would recommend you making a monthly budget every month. Um, and it's you giving every dollar a job, right? You knowing exactly where your money's going. So uh, some of the labels on that could be paying bills, buying groceries, paying for that flight to go on a vacation, saving for uh, that luxury two-story doghouse for your four-legged friend. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Snook. Um, <laughs> uh, or just making a plan for your money. Um, we would encourage you to budget. Uh, and how you go from wondering where your money is is going to telling it where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a big, big transition that most people um, are looking to take and can take. So it puts you in the driver's seat, uh, calling the shots on where your money's going or whatever metaphors you'd <laughs> like to use for your financial uh, backing. Um, just making sure that you are budgeting and you know where each dollar is going is, is, is important. 
Absolutely. Um, so the second money hack is to track your expenses. And we're talking every single one of them. So I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is your budget is not a slow cooker. You can't just throw in the meat, veggies, and sauce and walk away until mm. dinner time, or in this case, until next month. Uh, the good news is the way you can stay on top of the budget really isn't hard. It's just a habit. Um, and habits take time. So right. that habit is tracking your transactions. So every single one. So here's what I mean by that. Every time you spend or make money during the month, track it. When you get a paycheck from your day job or your side gig, you track it in your monthly um, budget's income category. When you gas up the Honda, that expense gets tracked and um, deducted from your transportation category. When you shop uh, at Aldi for all those fancy cheeses and cured meats for that romantic charcuterie night, you track that budget into your date night budget line. Mm. Tracking your transactions is how you stick to the budget you created. It's how you keep an eye on your spending so you don't end up overspending. So it's the best way to stay accountable for your money goals um, to your spouse if you're married and to yourself. Um, you know, and, and that's something that's going to be honed every month. You're not going to get it right the first time. You know, if you haven't been tracking it, it's going to take time to, to readjusting that budget every single month. Yeah, it's a habit that you're going to you know, have to form over mm -hmm. time. Uh, and it's not all doom and gloom, as we see here with the third um, budgeting for your goals, right? Like we want you to be able to spend uh, the money that you've saved. So um, speaking of money goals, uh, the best way to save for your goals, Abby, do you mm -hmm. know the answer to that? Is um, it budgeting? Uh, budgeting? Yeah, I think yeah. that might be it. <laughs> uh, if you want to pay off debt, you've got to adjust your budget to meet that goal. So if you want to finally be able to make that trip to New York or maybe it's Montana or, or somewhere out west, you've mm -hmm. got to make room in the budget and save for it. So don't stop there. The truth is you need to get your budget ready and for any uh, and all of you know your goals in life. So getting fit may mean spending more money on protein powder, quality meats, kettlebells, mm -hmm. all the workout equipment. Uh, getting promoted might mean buying a few more blazers uh, to replace those white t-shirts that your boyfriend or girlfriend told you to throw away, uh, <laughs> you know, three years ago. Uh, but you don't have to get crazy in these categories. Purchasing things that you can afford and that you're actually going to use, that's what makes this budgeting for your goals process mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great one. Um, so the fourth money hack is to check in on your insurance policies. Um, so you might be wondering what's insurance doing on a money hacks list? Well, um, you do pay for it and you might be overpaying mm. or you might not have the right coverage, which could lead to a huge unexpected expense down the road. So it's recommended that you shop around for car insurance quotes at least once a year. However, to make sure you're getting the absolute best rates, consider shopping for new quotes every six months the length of a standard policy. So an easy way to remember when to shop is to watch for the end of your current policy. So when is the best time to shop? While not as impactful as rating factors directly related to you, understanding the way auto insurance pre, um, price premiums can be helpful. So car insurance companies use end of year claim filings to set their rates moving forward. If in the prior year, the insurance company paid out more claims than it earned in premiums, well, you can expect to see a rate hike as a result. 
So make sure to pay attention to your policy statements and save on that insurance. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I know six months seems like, like wow, I have to shop yeah, for insurance <laughs> every six months. Even if it's a year, right. you should be shopping every year, uh, especially for car insurance because they, they do change so often. Very frequently. Um, you know, with how the previous uh, fiscal year went for that you know, particular company. So just something to think about. Um, as we jump into number five here, cutting back on impulse purchases. I feel like I just got some glares through the radio with that one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if you uh, if you read that out loud to yourself um, or if you're listening, um, it was like, what in the heck are they talking about? Like, how how do I stop impulse purchases? Well, here's several uh, things of ways to evaluate each purchase. So one, and this isn't going to be fun for some folks, is to delete the shopping apps from your phone. Mm. So half of Americans do most of their shopping on their phone. So removing that temptation if impulse buying is something that you really struggle with mm. uh, may be helpful. Um, and the other is to think before you buy. Now, this sounds uh, pretty common sense, but um, instead of that instant one-click purchase lifestyle, give yourself time to think about it. Right. Um, and here's a couple of questions, Abby, that um, we would suggest asking before making a purchase, um, especially if it's online and it feels like it's an impulse buy. Uh, the first is, will this add value to my life? The second is, am I buying this for the right reason? The third, and frankly the biggest, is, is this mm -hmm. item in my budget? Uh, fourth, is this the best option, retailer and price? So is am I buying it from the, the cheapest you know, store or option. Mm -hmm. And fifth is, uh, is now the best time to buy it? So am I going to use it? Is this within budget? Am I buying this at the right time? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you can't answer yes to all of these questions, uh, that means you need to say no to that, to that buying and that option. So uh, create a budget line for personal spending in your budget. And if it's within budget, we say go for it. If it's not and you're not going to use it, it's not going to add value to your life, we would say uh, wait and use that personal spending and fund money elsewhere. So um, if you want that candy bar or that holiday scented candle, you can go buy it. We would just say make sure uh, that it's in, in your budget. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, another thing I like to do is just waiting a day, you know, mm, that's good because then you have to sleep on it and you wake up and it's like, why did I, why did I want to buy that, you know, food grinder or you have, <laughs> you know, right. whatever it is. <laughs> um, so the last money hack is get more margin in your budget. So if you want to have more money in the budget to make up for inflation, jacking up the cost of everything, or because you've got those goals to hit, you're going to need more margin. So what does that mean? The key word here is space. More margin means more space, and in this case, more breathing room in your bank account. So how can you have more breathing room? There are a lot of ways, but it mostly boils down to these two things. Number one, increase your income or make more. Start a side hustle, apply for a higher paying job, You know, sell some stuff, freelance, or bust it at work and get that raise. Just remember when you increase your income, Put that extra money in the budget or it won't be mm. extra margin. That's right. Um, so, you know, maybe you have a shopping problem. You probably have a lot of clothes you could sell in Poshmark. You know, that's another way to just make a little extra income. Yeah, that's good. Um, the second way is decrease your expenses, a.k.a. spend less, right? I know these are pretty obvious, but 
Um, just meal plans so you can spend less on food, right? That's the big one for me and my husband is, you know, impulse mm. getting food because you're starving and you didn't plan ahead, yeah, right? That's right. Uh, maybe get a roommate to cut your rent in half. Um, just think of ways to lower your spending and cut those extra expenses for a surefire way to get your margin in your budget. So um, money hacks are worth it. Yes, every time um, and everything we listed is going to take a little time and attention, but it's seriously worth it. Put it, this checklist into action um, so that you can get better with money and get you on a path to an amazing money future. Mm, yeah, that's good. Um, so that concludes our second article for today. Um, so I thought that was a really good one. A lot of things I need to apply to myself yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, so as usual, we'd like to finish off with our prescription of the week. Um, so this is something that Justin has put together for us. Yeah, and I think this is pertinent for, you know, the topics that we just covered and in a budgeting sense, uh, but it's combining accounts with your spouse. Now, obviously, Abby, I'm sure the first thing, you know, that I thought of with this was bank accounts, right? It's mm. like you get married and you you combine bank accounts, but specifically I'm talking about accounts like Spotify and Netflix mm -hmm. and Costco and uh all of the other accounts that you can combine uh, right. with your partner. Um, Costco, for instance, is $60 a year. If you're paying for two of those, you're really, I mean, you're, you're, sa you're saving $60 just by combining with right. your spouse. So um, just something to think about and implement a plan um, or just going through an exercise to say like, okay, we have 10 apps that we use on the regular and we're both paying for them. How do we combine these? Mm -hmm. um, it could be, you know, a big monthly saving for you and your spouse. Definitely. That's, that's a great topic. And, you know, you can, you can look on, if you have an iPhone, you can kind of see your subscriptions. Mm. You can go on your bank accounts app. And a lot of times it'll tell you your recurring expenses. Um, so there's just a, some ways that you can kind of look and see what am I paying for every month and is my spouse also paying for those same things yeah that's right um so so thanks for that Justin well this has been this week's episode of money md listen in next week on moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health check out our, web our website moneymd.net and send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725 Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.